0: was any concern that the elders share the apostolic gift of miracles Uh, let me rest your mind at ease Uh, as Jesus was able to take a small amount of food and feed 5,000 I simply had one copy from a piece of paper that I wanted to multiply so that you could have some scriptural references and I wasn't able to do it so there you go I'm flawed Uh, I'm limited in what I'm able to do and uh, to be quite honest Pastor Charlie or Tim was not able to help me do it either so that all three elders are uh, we're all in the same boat but the reason why I had a handout is because there is going to be uh, a a, quite a bit of scriptural references that I will be uh, asking you to turn to now that you do not have a copy of it in front of your uh, your face to to look at at once in the same time And hopefully we will be able to get through this with some relevance of understanding of the Word of God as the Holy Spirit teaches us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer to help. God, we are very much aware of our need for you to take over in teaching right now. You have... Inspired your word, you have preserved your word, and you continue to teach and apply your word. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that you do this. So I pray, Lord, that you would use the words that you have uh, given me and pray, Lord, that they will be words of encouragement and comfort, instruction, reproof, and correction, words of hope. I pray, Lord, that as we consider our responsibility to fulfill the law, that while we will understand a great overwhelming feeling in that regard may we truly understand that the holy spirit indeed empowers us as your people to do so for your glory so help us Lord, today as we look at your word and we pray this in jesus name amen if you thought tim had a challenge in our last message in the series in romans in chapter 13 talking about uh, submitting to the governing authorities, I challenge you that the three verses which I have prepared for today are more challenging. Now, don't misunderstand that three verses equate to a short sermon, for you know me well enough that that's not going to keep me from going over. But these three short verses, apart from the Holy Spirit, are impossible. Let's read them together. I'll begin reading in verse eight, Romans chapter thirteen, verse eight. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment. Are summed up in this word you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law twice in these two verses do we have the word fulfilled or fulfilling same root same meaning and it's in relation to this idea of love which Paul referenced earlier in chapter 12 as he was going through the spiritual gifts and and teaching believers that our love should be sincere he develops this a little bit more after he has spoken to believers primarily in his context in the Roman Empire to be submissive and subjective or in subjection to the roman authorities and that even to the point of rendering taxes giving honor to those to whom honor is due he uses that same word here in verse 8 in which he says oh no one anything now paul is not speaking of owing; oh, you can't borrow money it's it's immoral to borrow money as a matter of fact the old testament to the jewish uh student would understand that there are certain uh principles involved in loaning money and borrowing money but if we look at the, the language literally what it is saying don't continually owe anything to anyone in other words it shouldn't be a lifestyle but rather than understanding that this text is teaching us how to manage our money while the Bible has much to say about that Paul's purpose is to take that concept in which he started with talking about what we owe to the authorities over us in the way of taxes that we should as we go through and think about not owing people on a regular basis on a continual basis anything he contrasts that with his main point making sure that the only thing that you should be indebted to everyone is love The one thing we will never pay off is love to one another the one thing that will never be able to at the end of the 15 years or 20 years or 30 years we can take the piece of paper and say well now that I don't have any more coupons in the book I can burn this thing and churches have been burned down because they were celebrating the burning of mortgages in the past but that's beside the point but we understand that there are certain days in which we really long for as families and I'm looking forward to the day when I can take my mortgage and burn it because it is finished I've ended my obligation to pay that but there's something that I will never be able to extinguish as far as as far as a debt is concerned and when I say debt it's not because people have done something for me so I owe them something back but out of obligation I will never outlive the obligation to love one another for the one who loves another Paul says has fulfilled the law Paul's main point again is to compare it with our ultimate du- ultimate duty as a follower of Jesus Christ now when we think about the law the law is not a, a foreign term to the, to the Apostle Paul in this letter he wrote to the Romans he's used this term more in the book of Romans than he uses it any other letter of course it's fair to say that the book of Romans is one longest uh, of his letters but dealing greatly with the Jewish people and the law as given to, to to God's people through Moses by God it reflects God's holiness it's the holiness of God in contrast to the sinful person in Romans chapter 1 that subjects the human being in their sin to God's wrath it is the law when given to the Jewish people should have led them to understand who God is and their need for him it is the law that shows us our sinfulness it is the law if you will as Paul puts it that brings us death not because the law is bad not because the morality that it reflects is insufficient to save anyone but the law is given to us so that we don't have a a means of salvation it's given to us so that we we understand that we have a need for salvation and that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god But you might be saying wait a minute mark I thought Jesus fixed all that because Jesus came to fulfill the law but we have to remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 in which he says do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets I've not come to abolish them but to fulfill them Jesus said that he came into this world in order to do everything that the law requires to live a perfectly complete sinless life that he would live his days on this earth without ever committing a sin or ever trans, uh, trans having a transgression against the law but him doing that did not eliminate the need for the law it didn't eliminate the morality that the law provides he just simply fulfilled it so it's important for us to understand that when Paul says that for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law and therefore love is the fulfilling of the law that we have a responsibility as God's people to obey let's take a moment to look and see just what the law is and what it is not First of all if you will turn in your Bibles back to Romans chapter 3 Romans chapter 3 verse 20 Paul says for by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in jesus christ for all who believe for there is no distinction what paul is teaching us here in romans chapter 3 is fulfilling the law is not justification don't confuse what paul is saying that when we love one another that we're fulfilling the law that we're somehow earning favor with god our loving one another does not earn us justification before god For he makes it very clear in Romans chapter 5 we have been justified by faith fulfilling the law is not justification so we're not going to be teaching here like many churches do today that somehow in cooperation with what Jesus Christ did on the cross our good works will come together and make us acceptable before God that is a lie of the devil however that doesn't mean that we do not have an obligation to do what the law requires and we'll get to that in just a moment but before we do so we need to understand that the fulfilling of the law is not justification it is not a righteous standing before god a righteous holy god is that we began our service today singing about holy 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 lord God Almighty which is a text borrowed from Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah saw a vision of the holy righteous God his only he heard the angels there in the throne of heaven singing holy 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 the only term that is given in a threesome repetition love good merciful none of those are repeated three times only holy only reflecting for us and reminding us that God is indeed a holy God a holy God that brought fear to those who saw God's glory if you think back to the disciples when Jesus was walking on the water and got into the boat with him and calmed the seas Peter's words were Stay away from me, for I am a sinner. He recognized the distinction between God's holy nature demonstrated in Christ's glory and his own sinfulness, demonstrated in the story as when they were moving the Ark of the Covenant. David was moving it back to where it belonged, and it was riding on a cart being pulled by two cattle. They hit a bump and the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's glory, started to slide off. And a man thought that he would save the Ark of the Covenant from getting dirty by stretching out his hand and keeping it from falling on the ground. That man lost his life because he touched that which was holy and he was not. Making it very clear to us. As R.C. Sproul used to ask the question over many times, what makes us think that our hand is less holy than the dirt of the ground in order to protect God's holiness from that? That's how we should be thinking about our sinfulness and God's holiness. We, we, there is such a great distinction. And the fulfilling of the law is not going to make that right loving one another is not going to make us just before god the only thing that can do that is for us to place our complete faith and trust in the completed work of jesus christ and what we celebrated this morning jesus christ living a perfect life as a satisfactory substitute before god the righteous god dying shedding his blood as a payment for our sin because we could not save ourselves but when we believe that what he did was for us, God exchanges our unrighteousness for his righteousness, his perfect living of the law. He gives it to us as if we've lived it. And he takes our sinfulness and places it on Jesus Christ on the cross as if he sinned. He paid the price for our sin he suffered the wrath of God and our faith and trust as we repent of our sinfulness turning our mind away from that and trusting what Christ did on the cross and believing that God affirmed it by raising him from the dead we have salvation that is where our justification comes from so make no doubt about it that fulfilling the law through love is not justification that only comes through repentant faith in Jesus Christ so what is it or how can it come about well, the next point I would like to make is not only is fulfilling the law not justification but fulfilling the law can only be done according to the spirit if we turn to Romans chapter 8 which should be the closest text from where we have just been I'm gonna to try to make this easy for everyone as you're flipping through pages or as you're scrolling through your phone screen But Romans chapter 8 verse 2 after Paul has declared that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ he says for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh that is he died on the cross for us after living a sinless perfect life in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit you see we fulfill the love of, of, of the law loving one another as we walk not according to the flesh not according to our own wisdom not according to our own desires. But according to the spirit fulfilling the law can only be done according to the spirit and Paul makes that clear here that Christ did what our flesh weakened we made the law look bad because we can't fulfill it in our own strength but when we walk according to the spirit we can fulfill the law Galatians chapter 5 if you'll turn with me there there's a couple of points. Not only do we work, walk according to the Spirit, but in Galatians chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, Paul says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Again, it's not according to our own strength. It's not the way I wake up in the morning, boy, this is what I feel like doing. But it's when I obey in faith what God has commanded me to do, I will be fulfilling the law and loving my neighbor. For it's through the Spirit by faith. Later on in verse 13, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself verse 16 he goes on to say but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh so that we see that not only do we walk according to the Spirit as he says in Romans 8 or through the Spirit in Galatians 5 verses 5 and 6 but we also walk by the Spirit for the whole law is fulfilled in one word love your neighbors yourself and we can only do that as we live by faith he goes on in verse 18 but if you are led by the Spirit you are not under the law in other words you're not going to be under condemnation of the law if you are what led by the Spirit and then finally in verses 22 and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So Paul makes it very clear in the book of Romans, as well in chapter 5 of Galatians, that fulfilling the law can only be done according to the Spirit, through the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And producing the love or the fruit of the Spirit. And then finally, fulfilling the law is our mission. Paul doesn't suggest that we do this, Paul isn't recommending that this would be a way in which our lives can be better off. Paul is not offering this as an option for what you want to do as a vocation. this past week I was I read an article that um, Harvard University uh, the chaplain board which is made up of numerous different denominations and religions on campus unanimously elected an atheist to be their president now that's just a sidebar that really don't have anything to do with our, our message other than the fact of just kind of reminding you what world we live in today and CGG mark did a good job in reminding us how we got to this point of believing what we believe as a culture but in that same article it said that the American worldview inventory which I know that all of you keep up with that the 2021 version Did an annual survey that examines the perspectives of adults age 18 and over in the United States. They found that while 57% of millennials, and I know I beat up on millennials a lot, those of you who were born between 1984 and 2002, hopefully, if you're in this congregation, this doesn't apply to you. But they found that only 57% of millennials consider themselves to be Christian, which I thought was pretty high. But this survey found that at least fifty-seven percent of millennials consider themselves Christians. However, forty-three percent surveyed said they don't know, they don't care, and they don't believe that God exists. That I can believe. And as sad as this is, it reflects the fact that these young people define success and morality in terms of personal happiness and economic, social justice. The survey found observing that only 48% of millennials, less than half, say that we should treat others as we want to be treated ourselves. And the world in which I grew up, that was whether you went to church or not. That's something that everybody would propose is a good way of living. You always treat people better than the same, you wouldn't want to treat anybody worse than you want them to treat you, right? The golden rule, so to speak. But less than half of Millennials based on this survey even believe that's of substance so that's why it's important for us to remember what our mission is what does it look like to fulfill the law well as Paul would have you would believe it looks a lot like the Ten Commandments now Paul's list here is not complete in Romans chapter 13 talks about shall not commit adultery shall not murder shall not steal shall not covet and then he throws in, in any other commandment which that word is any other word of instruction is sufficient however regarding our relationship to what he literally calls here the second man you say well I don't see that in my Bible I don't see second man well the word that's translated neighbor literally in the Greek is second man which implies what that there's a first man or the first human being not to sound misogynist here I realize that we have a mixed group of people here but if I'm here and there is a second person here that second person qualifies as a what you know neighbor he's the second person I should love the second person as I'm as much as I love the first person that is fulfilling the law that is my mission that is what Christ has called me to do for Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 22 verses 35 through 40 Jesus when a lawyer came to ask a question to test him teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law he said to them you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the greatest and first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets Luke chapter 18 records a ruler comes to Jesus and says good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life Jesus first of all corrects him and, and wants to let him know that you just don't call anybody good because there's only one good and that's God but he says you know the Commandments do not commit adultery do not murder Do not steal do not bear false witness honor your mother and father so Jesus is teaching the importance of the Commandments in relation to inheriting eternal life Luke chapter 10 as pastor Charlie preached on not too long ago behold a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying teacher what shall i do to inherit inherit eternal life and he said what's written in the law how do you read it you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself and jesus said you are correct do this and you will live so paul's not teaching us anything different than what jesus taught and don't get again confused and thinking well well Jesus wasn't saying that that was how we get eternal life or Jesus is not saying that's how you're gonna live well actually that's what Jesus was saying he just said that we weren't capable of doing it, and he gave examples of doing so as a matter of fact that rich young ruler that came to him he identified that he actually had not kept the commandments because because he loved his treasure that Jesus told him to go sell he was demonstrating the fact that he had idols in his life his money is demonstrating the fact that he wasn't loving others himself because he was keeping it all to himself and not sharing with those who were in need so now that we know that we know Jesus went on to make practical commandments in the lives of those who asked a the question there are certain things that I think that we can develop and we'll do this as I close three things I want you to take note of, of love Look in John chapter 11. We need to understand that true love promotes the glory of God. The world that I was describing in some statistical manner earlier, and the world in which we all know that we live in today, we know we have a skewed understanding of what love is, particularly when we're talking about the love of God and what we should have. For one another there are multiple types of love the, the, the Bible deals with each of those it talks about the love we have for a brother we talks about the love we have for our spouse we talk about the love that we have uh, for our neighbor the love that God has for mankind the the kind of love that God has for his people but oftentimes it's very difficult for us as human beings particularly having been raised in this culture that we're in even over the past 50 years as soon as someone says love our brain automatically thinks of some effectual not effectual but effectual understanding some affection that we have something that I like something that I like a lot and therefore I love it my wife loves her chickens and she has to remind me that not as much as she loves me but she loves them she has an affection for them there's something that's endearing to her about them you love all sorts of things some of you love your job some of you love your car some of you love your home some of you love I don't know the last gadget you bought. Richard's not here we can't pick on him about that but we all know Richard well enough to know that he loves his gadgets there is an affection that we have that we use the term love to describe but love goes way deeper way way deeper and we see it demonstrated here in john chapter 11 again pastor charlie dealt with this not too long ago so the sisters martha and mary said to him jesus lord he whom you love is ill. Now he is Lazarus. They, Mary and Martha, were appealing to Christ affection for Lazarus to do something. Something specific. That is, heal him. He's very sick. He's at the point of death, and Jesus You love him, so heal him. And we know the rest of the story. When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And he waited until Lazarus died. You see, love glorifies God more than it glorifies the loved one. There's a lot of things we'll do for one another because we say we love someone. But there are times when that love will lead us into sin. There's things that we will do for one another because I love you, but it's wrong. It's not right. And ultimately, things that go way beyond our understanding that God has called us to do are done out of love so that it will glorify God. You see, when Jesus said that this illness does not lead to death, it didn't mean that Lazarus was not going to die before Jesus got there. But he understood that death that Lazarus was going to experience then was only going to be temporary. And that ultimately that Jesus Christ wanted to demonstrate that He was the resurrection and the life. And that everybody that believes in Him shall never perish. Not in the flesh. We're all going to die in the flesh unless Jesus Christ comes back and takes us home. But that's one thing that's certain is appointed unto man wants to die prior to the judgment. what Jesus was speaking about the resurrection glorifies God and what's going to happen in Lazarus life as well as every other person who believes in Jesus Christ will glorify God and it's one because God has loved us not to keep us from dying in this body we pray for those who are grieving for those who have lost family members and friends to death but we grieve as those who have hope because we know that something is greater and will glorify God in the end. Love promotes the glory of God. Love makes service complete. First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Paul says in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse three, as he's talking about if he has faith, if he has all different types of understandings of the scriptures, and he says in verse 3 And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. You see, there's a lot of people that are giving a lot of stuff away to people who are in need today. There's a lot of people giving stuff away to people who aren't even in need, but they're giving away anyway because it's not so much that they love those people. Now, they may have an affection for those people, but the reason why they're doing it is so that at the end of the day, they can say, hey, look what I did. When they stand before a righteous God in some form in their mind, whatever they conceive in to be, that's going to allow them into eternity and allow them into the gates of Pearl and allow them to experience heaven, they think that somehow by giving all their possessions away, apart from love for God, and true love for that person is going to get them something, but Paul says, "No, it won't." Paul says, "I can give all my possessions away to feed the poor, but if I do not have love, it profits me nothing. There is no value in any type of service. There is no value in any sort of ministry. There is no no value in anything the Cornerstone Baptist Church does as a whole, or you as a Christian individual, apart from love, that will be of any value." love makes service complete because as he says in verse 8 love never fails and then the last thing i want you to see about love is love gets confidence in the day of judgment i'd like for you to turn to first john chapter 4 this is a lengthy passage there's a few things i'd like for you just to take note of whether you mark it or mentally or literally with a pen there's some things that you, that love gives us confidence in the day of judgment and so wait a minute you're going back in circles you're saying that somehow love is going to redeem no I, that's not what i'm saying but it will give you confidence of your redemption in jesus christ because john says in first john chapter 4 verse 7 beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Did you take note of every time that there was a mention of confidence or knowing something about who we are in Christ in relationship to loving one another? Did you notice that it was the love of God that has been given to us is what we are to demonstrate to others? Did you notice that all of this is in preparation not to make us acceptable to God in the day of of judgment, but to have confidence in the day of judgment? The only way we're going to stand before a holy righteous God one day the only way is for God to abide in us and if God abides in us we will love one another it's not we could now we, the, the options have been made available to us. We have the ability to. No, we will. So when Paul says, or when John says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God." It's just a confirmation that if you're in Christ, you will love. Him. So going back to our text. Owe men nothing. Keep owing anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a second person. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now notice I mentioned, hopefully you noticed it as I started this morning. I said that this is impossible. (laughs) This is impossible to love one another apart from the Spirit. So the summary this morning is simple. We fulfill the law which reflects the righteousness of God. That's why the law never goes away, because God's righteousness will never go away. However, when we fulfill the law, which reflects the righteousness of God through love, which always sustains the work of God. In order for us to sustain what God is doing, we have to fulfill the law. We have to do it through love that comes in all types of forms and i'd like for you to consider as i pray what does that look like in your life to a young rich ruler in jesus day that looked like taking everything that he had and giving it to the poor because jesus knew that's where he was breaking the law in his heart, to another, it was seeing somebody on the roadside being left beaten, awaiting death, and taking it upon yourself to take care of her because that's what they needed. There are a host of other examples. Perhaps you can the echo through your mind ways in which you may have fulfilled the law or maybe some ways in which you have not fulfilled the law. But apart from the Holy Spirit, you can. But if you walk according to the Spirit, if you walk with the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, you'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to take inventory as your Holy Spirit searches our heart pray that we would be sensitive to your leading pray that we would understand what you've called us to be in Christ this is not an option but Lord it will be just an outflowing of our faith in Christ we love not our neighbor that second person or third person who's around because we want to be justified but we do it because we are justified. We have confidence that one day we'll stand before a holy, righteous God. We'll stand before you, Father, but we'll be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ as He lives through us by faith. Empowered by your Spirit, we will fulfill this law. It's not an option. You've called us to a life of holiness, you've called us to a life of obedience. So, Father, help us to obey. These two commandments, to love you with all of our heart, strength, soul, and mind, and help us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We need you for this. We are completely impotent apart from you. There is no value when we do it in our own strength. So, Father, we pray that we would glorify you in how we love, and how much we love, and to whom we love, as you've called us to do in Christ. We ask these things. Amen. That's true. Right.